Welcome to the next episode of Ask Shane Anything. Yes, I'm back from my mini vacation. I'm back into the groove. I have to admit, today is finally the day where I feel like I'm back to normal. My vacation actually ended up being this crazy scramble all over the East Coast. I was in Philadelphia. I was in Washington, D.C. I was down in Virginia at this lake called Lake Anna for a couple days. Um, my wife had rented a cabin for her dad's 80th birthday party, and we stayed there for a couple days. Interesting thing about Lake Anna, it is a man-made lake that was used to, that is used to cool a nuclear reactor. And there we were, swimming and kayaking out in the lake. <laughs> but anyway, finally I feel like I'm kind of back in the groove. Even once I got back, it was a scramble to get Game Face together and get content going again for you guys. I feel like I'm finally back in the groove. Now here's a reminder that this show only happens because some of you guys pledge at $7 or more per month at patreon.com slash sifted. Without you folks, this show would absolutely not happen. We have not actually hit the amount of money we're supposed to have in our Patreon to do this, uh, but I enjoy doing this show and I enjoy uh, interacting with you guys on a person-to-person -person basis, and so I have continued doing it. But if you want to see it continue, it would be great if you could bump up your pledge to that $7 or more per month. We're back in the groove. We have a bunch of great questions today. Let's get straight to them. And I'll give you one guess who gets the first question in today's episode. Of course, it's Kevin. Which games would you consider the biggest winners and losers of 2023 so far? Boy, that's an open-ended question. And I think this year in particular, it has a more interesting answer than usual, which is why I've taken this question. I think in last year, maybe the year before, I probably wouldn't even have bothered to answer this, but this year in particular has been so strong that there are a couple anomalies and a couple instances that kind of piqued my interest and I want to talk about them. So the first one, I would say there are some obvious ones, um, but then they're kind of big winners for different reasons. So Hogwarts Legacy would be one of my big winners for 2023 so far. As you know, if you watch Game Face, I love the game. I still love the game. I think it was great. And the reason I call it a winner is because there was so much turmoil and controversy around that game with J.K. Rowling, of course, before it launched. And somehow it managed to transcend all that stuff to end up being a smash hit. And in fact, probably will end up being one of the top two or three selling games of 2023, no matter what happens for the rest of the year. It also proved to me that the Harry Potter IP is still really, really strong, and people still care about it, and people still want to engage with it. So Hogwarts Legacy, one of my big winners, definitely another one, obvious low-hanging fruit, Tears of the Kingdom, one of the biggest games of the year. Um, I think it also showed that their staying power for, even though I don't care for it, that their staying power for the open world design of Zelda games. It will be interesting to see if that is continued for the next game after some of the recent comments from Enuma. But there's no denying it's one of the biggest releases of the year. It's one of the best selling games of the year. I think generally most players really enjoyed it. So Tears of the Kingdom, definitely one of them. Baldur's Gate 3, who saw this coming? Like, I think Matt kind of did, because like a year and a half ago, two years ago, he had already played through like a huge chunk of the game because it was in beta for so long. He kind of knew it was going to be really good, um, but I think most people did not. I think Baldur's Gate 3 caught a lot of people off guard because no one had really engaged with Larian's games on that level before. Larian's been making great games for a while, but none of them have really popped until Baldur's Gate 3. So I think that was a little bit of a surprise, but undoubtedly. I mean, it's a Game of the Year contender that came out of nowhere for most people. Definitely one of the biggest winners of 2023. 
And then Diablo 4, after all the turmoil over Blizzard and all the changes at Blizzard and Blizzard announcing a mobile Diablo before Diablo 4, all the stuff that angered all Diablo's fans ultimately just melted away. <laughs> Once Diablo 4 came out, another one of the best sellers of 2023, another game that most of the people who bought were very happy with it. Um, I think when you think back on 2023, Diablo 4 will be one of the games that everyone thinks about. And then another one, Hi-Fi Rush. Now, I would say that this is a one. It's a good game. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's a good. It's like a hack and slash uh, music and rhythm game where you hack and slash to the beat, blah, 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 which is a cool idea. But I do think that it was also the benefit of finding one of the few holes in the release schedule for 2023. Normally on Game Face, we wouldn't even talk about a game like Hi-Fi Rush, uh, but we ended up talking about it for like 30 minutes on the show because it was a slow week. So I think Tango found a good place to release that game where there was kind of an empty spot in the calendar, and I think it garnered a lot of praise because it was unique, and unique games are becoming increasingly more difficult to find. So I think it was a perfect confluence of all these factors that made Hi-Fi Rush a bigger hit and a bigger story than I think normally it would have been. And then finally, my last winner for 2023 is Lies of P. Um, I played the demo of this game. I'm not a fan of it at all. You guys know I don't like Souls-likes. You know I don't, I'm not a big fan of that subgenre. But Matt is. And Matt didn't really care for it either. We are going to talk about it on Tuesday on, for a game phase as Matt will play the whole thing and, and come on the show to discuss it. So maybe his, his opinions change um, based upon the full game versus the, the, the demo. But even Matt didn't like it. Yet... That game, I mean, for a little indie Souls-like, is getting a lot of attention. So I think it's a winner. Um, I think, I kind of thought coming into 2023 that the whole Souls-like thing would die down. Obviously, it has not. <laughs> so um, I think Lies of P has parlayed that hype of Elden Ring and games like that into interest for Lies of P. It will be interesting to see if it ultimately, ultimately pays off in sales. Now let's get to some of the losers of 2023. And the first one I would say that pops in my mind right away is Immortals of Avium. We found out today that half of the development studio has already been laid off. The game has not sold well. We've coined the term um, Call of Duty with Magic. Um, it's, it's an EA game. A lot of money put behind it. A lot of money put behind the studio to make it. And the reviews for it were really abysmal. And it appears, based on the layoffs, the sales for it haven't been great either, but I would argue that that game deserves better. I really feel like it's one of those games that just got piled on, like, very early. There are a couple people who are like, oh, the story sucks, or blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's a pretty finely crafted game, let's be honest. Like, as far as the craftsmanship of games, it's done pretty well. The concept is done pretty well. Like, it's not a bad game, but I think a lot of people think it's a bad game or thought it was a bad game, and therefore it tanked, and a lot of people lost their jobs. So... I think, again, it was a confluence of things that came together to really doom that game and doom its studio. So Immortals of Avium, definitely a loser of 2023. Then we got to talk about Final Fantasy 16, an amazing game that reviewed, I think, lower than it deserved. Um, to me, the best Final Fantasy I've played since, like, the 16-bit era. I think it's great. Um, it's amazing. It's the first Final Fantasy that I've finished in I don't know how long. So it's a great game. And really, the loser here isn't really based on the quality of the game or really the sales of the game. It's just based on the expectations for the sales of the game. It sold like three million in its first like week and a half or what? That's great, but already like people started banging on it, saying, "Oh, it hasn't sold." Blah blah blah. And then had Square Enix had to answer questions about it. And again, it starts this narrative 
that people just start following in all the podcasts. Oh, it didn't do well. Oh, it didn't do well. Oh, I mean, it's not very good. Oh, square. It's like, it's really funny how social media can shape the hive mind opinion on something. And I feel like that happened to Final Fantasy 16. And again, I don't think Square Enix helps because its expectations for sales are ridiculous, particularly when that game was released on one platform. And I think that's a big mistake. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that going forward anymore. Although we just saw that the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth remake is going to be exclusive to PlayStation 5 for three months. Square Enix apparently won't learn its lessons. So I feel like Final Fantasy XVI deserved better. And unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be one of the losers of 2023 overall. Uh, another loser would be the Dead Space remake for me. I feel like that's something that people clamored for for like 10 years or whatever. And then it finally came out and people didn't really care. Like it didn't sell especially well. It's not really a part of the conversation anymore. You may have even forgot that it came out this year. So I think the Dead Space remake and what we hope would then be the revival of Dead Space as a franchise. I don't know if that's going to happen now because the remake did not do particularly well as far as sales are concerned. So I would consider that a loser. And then another loser for me is Pikmin 4. Um, and I feel like Pikmin 4 is the first of many games that are really good that are just going to get swallowed up because the competition in 2023 is so intense. Um, Pikmin 4 is an amazing game. So if you're a Switch owner, you only own a Switch, and maybe you're finally, you finally squeezed the last moments out of Tears of the Kingdom, and you're looking for that next game to play, buy Pikmin 4. It is really amazing. Um, one of my favorite games of the year so far. Also feel like it's going to tank. It is selling really well in Japan, by the way. It's like been the top-selling game for the last, I don't know, month or whatever in Japan. It's doing better there than it is in the U.S. So it's a great game. It deserves a lot of sales. It doesn't look like it's going to get them. So Pikmin 4, one of the losers of 2023. And then finally, I would just say every game releasing in October is a loser for 2023. Even the games that end up selling well in October are still losers because they're not going to sell as well as they should have because the month is just too loaded with great games. No matter how good your game is, you're going to lose sales because there's other great games in October. So I would just say, and I still, just the last couple days, I've seen other games announcing release dates for October. It's like, what are you thinking? So I think in general, most of the games that release in October are going to end up being losers for 2023. Next up, we have a question from AJ the Legend. Which developer do you believe is the next big thing? Which developer do you think is being wooed by Microsoft or Sony for purchase? There's a lot. <laughs> That's one thing about this year. We've seen some studios emerge um, that I think are on the radar for purchase from some of these bigger conglomerates. I think Embracer's done buying stuff. I think it's selling stuff now. Um, so maybe I should have looked at Embracer's list of developers and plucked something out of there as something that maybe Sony or Microsoft might buy because it did buy up a bunch of studios. Not too many of them are, are amazing, but Gearbox is out there now. So maybe Gearbox is one of those targets. We'll see. But I actually have a few others that I want to mention. Um, first off, I would say Larian for Baldur's Gate 3. I mean, this studio, it is about 400 people or whatever. It's not tiny, but... It created a game of the year, and it's independent. Now, it is owned 30% by Tencent. So maybe Tencent wants to give a little bit more money and take control. I don't know. But there's 70% there left to buy for Sony or Microsoft. And again, Larian created Baldur's Gate 3, one of the game of the year contenders for 2023. So to me, that's the clear target. Um, I don't know if Larian's would be open to being purchased, 
because it's done so well being independent, like it has so much money from Baldur's Gate 3 now, it doesn't even really need to think about being sold, but creatively, it might like the idea of having even better resources, even more money, better QA departments and things like that. All the things that come along with being a part of a bigger company. So Larian is one for me. Another one is Round 8 Studio. Um, I just talked about Lies of P. That is the studio behind Lies of P. It's a little studio that is making a big game that does not look like an independent game at all. It looks like any other big budget game uh, that comes down the pike. So I think Round 8 is a good pick. Now, it is actually owned by a company called NeoWiz. So you would have to talk to NeoWiz or maybe buy NeoWiz to get that studio. For some, it might be worth it, but I do think that's a studio that others should be keeping an eye on. And then we have a studio called Mint Rocket. Remember that little game we talked about on Game Face called Dave the Diver? It's this 2D game where you go down and you fish in the ocean and then you come back up and you run your sushi restaurant on the surface. That game, you know, it just, I think it's just now is announced for Switch. It hasn't really launched on any consoles yet and it already is one of the big stories of 2023. Now I'll say this. You don't see a lot of 2D studios being purchased by Microsoft or Sony. However, it could be a target for someone like an Amazon or a Netflix where you want studio, a studio that can build compelling, great games around your existing properties like Stranger Things and stuff like that. So I could see that being a target, but maybe not for Microsoft or Sony. And then there's Hexworks. Um, it's the studio that's working on Lords of the Fallen. I don't know if you've checked that out yet. It's coming out later this year. It's another Souls-like, but that game looks like a AAA game, big budget game, but it's made by a smaller studio. Now that is owned by CI Games. So you would have to go through CI or purchase CI to get it. But I guess maybe what I'm getting at here is that there just aren't that many really good studios that are working on stuff that are still independent and are owned at least in part by some other company. Because let's be honest, Ultimately, you do need a decent budget to make AAA games. Even if you're kind of punching out of your weight class and you're making a AAA game with a lower budget, you still need a decent budget. So it's hard to find studios that are truly independent that are making great 3D games. So I had to choose kind of the middle ground or those in the middle. But anyway, those are kind of the studios. If I were working at PlayStation or Xbox, I would be keeping my eye on. Next up, we have a question from Curtis O'Neill. Thanks for asking a question, man. At home, how do you separate chores? Who does what and why? During these tough economic times, how have you been cutting back? Okay, so I've talked about my relationship with my wife a bunch, and I hope maybe it's helped some of you guys in your relationships. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, um, but I have been kind of through it. I've dated a lot of girls. I've been fortunate enough to, and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on how dating works and marriage works, etc. I'm coming up on my 16th anniversary of my marriage, so somehow I think we figured out how things work. And here's what I would say. You don't create the roles at all. <laughs> like, there should be no, like, well, I'm a guy, so I should do this, and you're a woman, so you should do that. I think that's the key. Now, there are certain things that maybe the wife doesn't want to do, or the husband doesn't want to do, or the boyfriend doesn't want to do, or the girlfriend doesn't want to do. Listen to your mate. Listen to your partner. When they tell you they don't want to do something, do it for them. Not only will it make them happier, it will make them see that you care about them and you want to make their life better. So we have no defined roles between my wife and I. Like my wife will every once in a while take out the trash if I'm not around and she needs to take it out. Like she never looks at anything like that's not my job. And I don't look at it that way either. I do the dishes, I vacuum, I clean. I do all the things that are considered traditional female roles. I do my own laundry. I don't make my wife do my laundry. Like stuff like that. If you want a long relationship, 
I think that's the way it needs to be. If you start, if you're one of these people that's like, well, I'm the man, and you're the woman, and the woman needs to cook, and the woman needs to clean, and I just make the money and come home and put my feet up, your relationship is going to be doomed. So I'm just telling you, if you wonder why 50% of divorce of, of relationships or marriages end in divorce, that's why. Because you have some lunkhead who's like, I'm the dude, and I, I <laughs> that's how a marriage ends. That's how a woman ends up hating you and starts trying to figure out how to get away from you. So don't set up any roles. Be open to do whatever that makes both of you happy. There's got to be give and take between it. But establishing these rules is the dumbest thing you could ever do. And I get it. Some of you have come from families where the mom stayed at home and did the and the dad did the burn and It doesn't work in 2023. I'm just telling you, if your dad has taught you to be that way, you need to reprogram yourself if you want a long-lasting relationship. Now, how to cut back during these trying times? Well, Curtis, I don't know where you're from. You could be from Europe. And if you are, times are way tougher there. Like your inflation there is still at like eight or nine percent. Your gas prices have always been way higher than what we pay in America. But I'll be honest with you, there really are tough times in America. Like we've brought down our inflation to like less than 3% at this point. There are more jobs than people could ever ask for. If you want a job, you can find a job in like two hours in America right now. There are just millions of jobs waiting to be filled. And a lot of them, if we actually let more Im- more immigrants come into our country, would be filled and our economy would be roaring. But instead, we have some, one side that's like, immigrants are bad, keep them out. It's like, no, don't keep them out. Let's get them in here because we have all these jobs. If you're a business owner in America, you want immigration because you can't find workers right now. So to me, that's the biggest problem. There are too many jobs and not enough people to fill them. If you want a job, you can get one. Inflation is way down. The only problem America still has, at least from our perspective, is gas prices. And what's happening with the gas prices is the Saudis are just cutting off production to make it our gas prices go up so that people will get the current president out and will bring in another schlep who will just be a lapdog for Saudi Arabia like Donald Trump was. So if you just noticed last week, out of nowhere, Saudi Arabia all of a sudden is like, we're just going to cut production. And what happens? Our gas prices go up. So honestly, our economy is doing great compared to everybody else. If you're in Europe, I feel your pain. Your inflation over there is still really bad from COVID. Your gas prices have always been higher. But if you're an American, the whole myth of the bad is bullshit. All right. Our last question for today's episode comes from Henry Ramirez. With the imminent announcement of the Switch's successor, what three games do you expect to be in the launch lineup? And what three games do you personally want to see at launch? Okay, we've kind of talked about this on Game Face a couple times before. Matt and I both are kind of in agreement that there's three or four games that we were pretty confident are going to be there at launch for Nintendo's next console. The first one is Mario Kart 9. We just saw, we just got a trailer for the very last DLC way for Mario Kart 8. We just saw that Mario Kart Tour, which is the mobile Mario Kart game, is about to be sunset and they're not going to update that anymore. They're turning the page for Mario Kart 9. So I fully believe Mario Kart 9 will be a launch game. Um, another launch game that I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see Tears of the Kingdom DX. So some kind of reworked, reimagined, or just maybe a remaster of Tears of the Kingdom, or maybe just a Tears of the Kingdom that runs at more than 15 frames per sec. Some kind of enhanced version of Tears of the Kingdom. It's low-hanging fruit. 
I also wouldn't be surprised if some Breath of the Wild DX or whatever is there too, because they're already showing Breath of the Wild running on the new hardware. I think that's an easy pick. I think we're also going to see Metroid Prime 4 at launch. The game has been in development in some form or another for the last six years. It was rebooted a few years ago to start over again at Retro. It should be done for the launch of Switch 2. And then a 3D Mario game. We're ready for Super Mario Odyssey 2 or whatever it is. Um, It's been like four or five years since Super Mario Odyssey. It's due. So we're going to get some kind of a 3D Mario. We're going to get Metroid Prime 4. We're going to get Mario Kart 9. I'm very confident about those. Now, the games that I would like to see at launch, not that I wouldn't like to see those games. I'm I'm all about Mario Kart 9. I'm all about Metroid Prime 4. But here's some other ones. Um, First, I would like a traditional Zelda game. (laughs) I think what they're doing with um, Assassin's Creed right now is maybe a good model for what I would like to see for Zelda. Like, maybe on the off years, you have a more traditional, dungeon-driven Zelda game that we're, we are used to from the last 20 or 30 years. And then, two years after that, you get one of the open-world Zelda games. And you can kind of do both to keep both, both uh, sides of the fan base happy. So I would like to see a traditional Zelda, one that is only 24, 30 hours long. I'd be totally cool with that if it had five dungeons in it. Um, so that's, again, me hoping... Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Um, next up, Super Mario 64 2. I don't want Super Mario Odyssey 2. I want a more traditional throwback to the platforming skills of Super Mario 64. Um, I like the more simple concept of it as well. Like the whole con- thing of Mario in like the real world. I think it's weird. Keep his ass in the Mushroom Kingdom. Give me Super Mario 64 2. Um, also, what about a new Golden Sun? A great JRPG franchise we haven't seen anything from for a really, really long time. I realize fans may not be clamoring for that, but let's be honest, Nintendo doesn't really have a truly great JRPG franchise. You could say Xenoblade or whatever. That's more of like an action RPG franchise. I'm talking about traditional turn-based stuff. Nintendo doesn't really have like something like that in its arsenal right now, and I think it could revive that and bring it back. Fans might be interested in it. Um... How about Mario Baseball? I like baseball games if they're arcade-style baseball games. Like, MLB The Show, it's way too complicated for me. Like, I try to play it every year, and I play it for a few hours, and I'm just like, it's too much. It's like, oh, if you want to pick off the batter, you got to hold the shoulder, and you got to play. It's like, no. I like arcade-style baseball games. I think they're fun. I think the Mario baseball games have been great in the past. We haven't got one for a really long time. Switch, I don't think, even has a baseball game. I think it has RBI baseball, maybe, kind of that chibi um, arcade-style baseball game. Mario baseball. I think there's a hole in the schedule there. I think it's a great game in the past. I would be really excited for that. And then finally, how about some new IP? Um... Nintendo has really slowed with the development of its new IP. Think back over the last, like, five or six years. What is there? There's ARMS, which ended up being this weird, kind of goofy, Joy-Con-driven fighting game. It was a flash in the pan. No one cared. Nintendo tried to get esports going around it. No one cared. Um, I'd like to see some new IP for Nintendo. Generally, it's very creative, and it comes up with great ideas for new IP, so I would like to see more of that. So... There you go. That's what I think the launch lineup will be for Switch 2 or whatever it ends up being called and what I hope the Switch lineup to or the Switch 2 lineup could be. All right, that's it for this episode of Ask Shane Anything. You guys might be playing Lies of P this weekend. You might be playing the Crew Motor Fest this weekend. You may be on early access for Mortal Kombat 1 this weekend. So some good stuff to be playing or you might just be playing Baldur's Gate 3 on your PS5 or 
any of the other awesome games that have come out this year. But if you do, I hope you have a great weekend filled with awesome gaming. Um, if you'd like this show, please consider bumping up your pledge to $7 or more per month to help keep this show going at patreon.com slash sifted. Obviously, we appreciate all our patrons and obviously... Everyone who pledges at least $4 or more per month gets to watch Ask Shane Anything. But, as I said in the early open to the show, I am doing this show out of kind of the goodness of my heart because we haven't hit those levels on our Patreon where I'm supposed to be doing it. But again, I enjoy doing it and I love connecting with you guys. Also, before I go, we need more questions. I am literally, like, out of questions for Ask Shane Anything at this point. While I was gone, you didn't have the call to action to go and ask. We didn't get a lot of new questions since I did the last episode. We do need more. Again, you can go to sifted.net, and there's a link in the header there. You can click to take you straight to our forums where you can ask questions. We would really appreciate it. So, everyone have a great gaming weekend, and we'll see you for Game Face on Tuesday.